Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. to the Portrait on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God, especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how they serve the Lord and follow their example. We dig deep into Scripture. We follow the red-letter basics. And I believe that we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The porch was created to restore the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence the early church had. Because we believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on Solomon'sPorch.org, a Florida non-for-profit since January of 2000, over 20 years now. If you have any questions, visit on Solomon'sPorch.org, or you can go to FirefallTalkRadio.com. You can use the contact button. There's ways to support us there. There's a PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app. We are found under at Firefall Media Group, capital F capital M, capital G. It's easier and user-friendly and less fees. So either way, make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site on Firefall Talk Radio, the main podcasting site. We're also heard on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and uh, Spotify. So welcome. Welcome to all our listeners A new edition of Overwatch, Baby Steps to Babylon Part 2, was uploaded with a lot of pertinent current information to enlighten and help empower you. Information is power. Don't be caught ignorant or off guard. If you want to find us, we're on Facebook under the Supernatural Response Team as SRT Overwatch. And also there's a Firefall Talk Radio Facebook page as well. Pentecost 2020 just closed out. Now we're heading towards the Feast of Trumpets, which is September 19th, the Day of Atonement, which is September 28th, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which runs from October 3rd to October 9th. So we are in that season. Uh, One of the things we've always done here on Firefall Talk Radio and on the porch especially has been to start out with praise reports and prayer requests. And of late, it just seems like either uh, people aren't busy or whatever. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to speed things up. If you have an urgent prayer request and you want to send it to us, I will share it. Otherwise, we're just going to go without. And if you want to join in prayer after I get done praising the Lord and offering a Uh, Other things, when I get to the part where I'm praying, you just offer up to him what your needs are. 
That way we can all come into agreement that when we say amen, it means we are all touching and agreeing, even on the unheard prayers. I think that'll work out better rather than one or two people, no people. It just uh, seemed to have uh, run its course, so that's the way we're going to do it from now. But I will always praise the Lord. I will always start out everything I do, whether preaching, teaching, or whatever, by praising him. Because without him, I have nothing. I am nothing. I wouldn't be here. He gave me back my home, my wife, my family, my sons. And out of that, I got two daughter-in-laws and a grandson. We've had a lot of furry kids over the years that we love dearly. They are family members. I thank him for that. I thank him for this home and the studio I'm sitting in and everything that he has given us to be able to serve him. It's all about the kingdom. I praise him that he protects us. He does. Psalm 91 covering is always in effect as long as we are hidden in the shadow of his wings, that we are staying close to him and not testing him and going out to a fallen world and being foolish. I praise him for this ministry that he lets me work. It'll be 32 years in October that I've been saved, and almost immediately he put me to work for him. Then once I got to Tallahassee in 1990, about a year later, I got licensed, then I got ordained, and, but I've been serving him since I got saved. So I praise him for that. I praise him for the dreams and the visions, for the healing virtues which are still available. Well, that's like one word that I just turned into three. Available in, to each and every one of us. I praise him that I'm able to praise him. I love to do so. I love sitting in here and cranking up the music and just basking in his glory. I praise him for the favor and the revelation, for being a new creation, living and watching the signs of the times that he's getting ready to return. And yes, I praise him for being in America. It's a mess right now, but that's expected as the heat gets turned up, the things rise to the top and we're seeing that. But I believe he's getting ready to come back, so let's get ready. So let's pray. Pray for the Middle East. Pray for Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you, Psalm 122, verse 6. And I do, each and every day. I pray for America, its leaders, and its citizens at this time of testing and tribulation and trial and everything that we're going through. I thought about it today as the heat gets turned up. Uh, the sludge and the ugliness and things rise to the top, and that's definitely what we're seeing. We're being squeezed, and we're finding out what's in our heart and how we respond to things. We live in a fallen world. It's always been this way, but with digital media, we get to see it more and more. We get to see it happen as it happens, and I believe sometimes we just need to turn things off. Just turn it off. Stop feeding it into your minds. Know enough to be able to pray. And so we do. We pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. We pray against the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb. We pray for the missing and exploited children that Hasatan, Satan, and the fallen have victimized and taken advantage of, the victims of human sex trafficking. You know, it's really ugly out there, but it's been ugly since the garden. It's been ugly since the days of Noah, and as we get closer to the arrival of the Antichrist and then the eventual return of the king, it's going to get worse. So let's get ready. If you thought the days of Noah 
were bad, wait till Days of Noah Part 2, coming to a neighborhood theater near you. Um, I pray against the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, and the ugliness that we're seeing everywhere. The spirit of the Antichrist, he grows bolder and bolder as he gets ready for the personal unveiling. He's been here since, I believe, Calvary, since the beginning of the book of Acts Church, and it's always been our adversary. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Healing in my wife, healing in me, healing in all of you. You know, we've been given this one body. We should take care of it. Sometimes things happen out of our control. So we just pray right now that he would meet us at our needs and and fix what needs to be fixed, restore what needs to be restored. Protection. Boy, do we need protection. You better know how to pray Psalm 91 and believe it. We pray angelic covering and all that we need to be guarded. I pray that we'd have inspiration, that fire of the Holy Spirit to stir us up to to do what we need to do. If you can do nothing else, even if you can't get down on your knees, well, you may be able to get down, but you won't be able to get back up. Whatever. You can pray sitting down. You can pray lying down. Whatever gets you into a position of submission to him, I'm asking you to do that. We've been talking about the remnant. I'm talking to the remnant. And I'm praying that we would wake up, that we would rise up, that we would answer the call to action. A newsletter went out recently where we asked those who have been blessed to be a blessing. And if you know somebody who can be a blessing, then let them know about us. We have work to do. Firefall, the porch, SRT, everything that we're doing to expose the enemy, set the captives free, and to fulfill the Great Commission. Big goals, big dreams, big God, and a big blessing. We want to prosper in accordance with his word, that the open conduits to fund these things, the dreams, the vision, and the missions, and that we can help others do the same and become highly mobile, highly effective, and get out there and do what needs to be done. And finally, we're we're still going through legal matters that should have been dealt with. We are. Um, my son and daughter-in-law is SRT member, and brother Larry is. So we we just ask right now that they would be gone. We would be blessed. They would be resolved, and no longer be a distraction to us. So now, as I pray, and I may speak things out that apply to you. I don't know. This is going to be a new way of doing things. Make sure you're praying. Make sure you're you're just offering up your praise and your prayers to Him, Father. We just come to you now all across the world, all across the place, from the United States to South Africa and other places. We just, uh, the Philippines, who knows where this is going. But we know where you are. And we know how much you love us and how much we love you. So right now, as our Abba Father, our Papa God, our Daddy, we just boldly throat approach your throne of grace and mercy. We want to hug you. We want to be in your presence. We want to be little children just crawling to your lap. Maybe maybe just we just want to hide under your arms and just stay there. So, Lord, we ask right now that we come into the hidden shadow of your wings, that you speak to us, that we have a relationship with you, that we've been restored 
and redeemed, and we thank you for that. But it took you sending your only begotten Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to shed every drop of blood, to be scourged, whipped, and take upon himself everything that we deserved. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. You're not there. You've risen. Thank you for the upper room in which you sent back your Holy Spirit because you sit at the right hand of the Father and you allow us to sit with you in the heavenly places. And Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you open our minds, that you, first of all, calm our hearts, but you give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge in him and of him from him. We want to walk uprightly. We want to be righteous. We want to be powerful in his name to do everything that needs to be done in these days. So, Lord, we pray that you'd protect us, that you'd keep the enemy from us. No weapon formed against us would prosper. No word spoken would stand. And that every enemy that rises up against us, natural or supernatural, would fall. And right now, we touch and we agree and we declare and decree that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth that Jesus, Yeshua, is Lord, Adonai, to the glory of God the Father. So everything that's against us, everything that is battering and deceiving and, and harming us, we say, peace be still, bend your knee back off. And we pray, Lord, that you would reach into the hearts of all your people and cause them to rise up as well. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So here we are. We finally got through the awakening remnant. 21 weeks. I've never done that before, and I only did it because the Lord had me do it, but he released us. He released us for the next phase of learning and training. My goal has always been to prepare you to be used by the Lord as a part of his remnant. If you came here to be a spectator, you're in the wrong place. While that's all well and good and the teaching is good and I put a lot of work into it, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to feed you as babies in a nest, regurgitate pre-chewed word. No, I'm here to inspire you to do more, to learn more. But more than that, not just to be listeners of the word, but doers. You learn by doing. So that's where we are. We're going to start doing. We're going to start applying this. I'm going to start to teach you in a way is to prepare you for where we are in the prophetic timeline and what's going on. But we've been talking about remnant. What is the remnant? It's an overused term. But it is a biblical concept. According to the Holman Bible Dictionary, it's something left over. 
especially the righteous people of God after divine judgment. Several Hebrew words express the remnant idea, uh, that which is left over, that which remains, residue, one who escapes, a survivor, one loosed from bonds. There are equivalent Greek words. Basically, it's what is left over. It's the residue. residue. It's uh, people that have escaped, and that's what it is. It's a people. Those who remain after an epidemic, a famine, a drought, or a war. Biblical examples are Noah and his family. They were a remnant. Lot, after Sodom and Gomorrah, his family, except for the wife, um, was destroyed. Jacob's family in Egypt. Elijah and the seventy thousand, the 77,000 followers of the Lord. That was the evangelical number. No, Elijah and the 7,000 faithful followers, 1 Kings 19, 17, and 18. Especially verse 18. He was given um, commands to Elijah, whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And yet I've reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. That was a remnant. They were hidden, they were left over, and he was using them. The prophet Amos discovered that many believed that God would protect them all. You know, we have, I read this today and I went, wow, this applies to the church. They think, oh, God's going to protect everybody. We're not going to suffer anything. Well, Children of Israel had the same idea, but Amos explained to them that divine judgment would be poured out on all of Israel. And at an important, an appointed time, he would bring a remnant of his people to rebuild the nation. The warning was to seek him and live. Amos, Hosea, Ezra, Micah, Isaiah, Zephaniah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they all pointed towards a small group who would repent who would humble themselves and find refuge after their affliction and captivity. Jeremiah announced that Judah would be destroyed for rebelling against the Lord of the Covenant. The political and religious and social institutions of the state would be eliminated. Many would lose their lives. Others would be taken into exile for 70 years. Oh, my goodness, Jeremiah, you can't preach in the church today. That's just a little too negative. Well, you know, tell us about our best life now, Jeremiah. In the exile, those who believed in the one true God would be gathered for a return to the promised land. God would create a new community. Statements of hope and promise for the remnant are in those chapters, are in those books. But the danger always was and is that human nature is to rebel again. Look at what he says in Ezra, Ezra chapter 9, starting verse 13. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this. Should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survivor? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. 
Paul quoted that. Paul quoted from Hosea and from Ez- Isaiah to demonstrate the saving, the saving of a remnant from among the Jewish people. It was always a part of the Lord's plan to redeem his people. There would always be a future for anyone among the covenant people who would truly turn to the Lord for salvation. But until then, he was going to use a people who were not his people to bring the Jews to jealousy and to repentance to inspire a return to him. But they were never meant to replace his children. Romans 9.25, as he also says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved, beloved who is not beloved. Look at what Hosea says in chapter 2, verse 23. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they shall say you are my God. In Romans 9.27, Paul quotes Isaiah crying out for Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. Well, what they were talking about were the Messianic believers of today and those that would accept him during the tribulation. The remnant are a covenant people. Now listen to me here. The remnant are a covenant people who have overcome adversity, persecution, and tribulation. Doesn't sound so glamorous now, does it? Hey, I'm a part of the remnant. Hey, I'm that remnant he's going to use at the end. Oh, really? Well, tell me what you've been through. What qualifies you to be the remnant? So this brings us to Pentecost, which is what we just came out of. So go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through to verse 21. I want to build the case here, and I want to get you to understand that Pentecost was the beginning of the isolating and empowering of the remnant. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, I want you to get this. There's 120 people in the upper room. They all began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. 120 voices. They're not in unison. They're all speaking whatever they're saying at different times. And yet, that crowd could hear their language from amongst that noise. Don't tell me that's not supernatural. Verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, 
Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocked them, saying, They're full of new wine. But Peter, same Peter who ran, St. Peter, who denied the Lord, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you would suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, it's 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men's servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. I guess kind of like they saw in Mount Sinai. And then the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What Peter was saying right there by quoting Joel is that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the remnant that all the other prophets were talking about. This wasn't for everybody. It was for whoever called upon the name of the Lord. That's the kingdom mission of the remnant. And let me say this, and it's going to be controversial to some of you, and I've said it, and I know people don't like it. Said it anyway. There was never supposed to be a Christian church. It was always supposed to be a messianic church, the fulfillment of a religion, not the starting of a new one. So so what happened? How did this get to where we are now? Well, go to, with me to Acts chapter 11. I think I'm going to show you the first wrinkle in the garment, starting with verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, fellow of the Holy Spirit, and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that it was for a whole year that they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, 
and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Right there is the beginning of a Christian mindset. See, in before Acts 11, the Gentiles, the non-Jews that were saved, were proselytes, like Luke. They were people that were studying the Jewish religion, read the Torah, were, were um, loyal to the Torah, but they were not specifically Jews. This is the first time we have non-Jews hearing the gospel and becoming saved. And then when Paul shows up and they begin to teach and the disciples stay and they disciple others. You know what that word disciple means? To be a believer. So I don't, when people say to ask me, are you a Christian? I say, well, no, I don't use that term. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus of Nazareth. I believe that he is the only begotten son of God. I believe that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior and that he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And so that makes me a disciple. And they were called Christians as a derogatory term. This was not a compliment. But the concept of Christians comes from worshiping Christ, which is the Greek term for Messiah, Christos. The historian Josephus called them that tribe of Christians. Tacitus, the Roman historian, referred to them as Christian, a name derived from Christ. Originally, the church called themselves the Way. But later they began to refer to themselves as Christians despite the fact that the name was originally used to ridicule believers. And it's only mentioned two other places, Acts 26.28 and 1 Peter 4.16. So the church at Antioch, predominantly Gentile, begins to grow. And I believe that unknowingly, This is where the first schism, the first wrinkle in the book of Acts church begins. It's not enough to change anything or slow anything down, but as we know, 300 years later, it becomes a problem when the church eliminates anything Jewish or any influence of the Jews or any mention of Jewish things and begins to eliminate the feast and completely changes the texture of the church. See, this remnant that he had set aside, this remnant that came out of the day of Pentecost, has got to be steamed out by the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. He's coming for a bride that is what? Without wrinkle or spot. I think those wrinkles are denominations. I think those wrinkles are what began there in Antioch. Jew, Gentile, this or that. You're not going to be wearing a name tag in heaven saying what denomination you go to, what church you attend. If you are of the remnant, If you have a kingdom of God mindset, that has to be changed. You cannot serve him in these days. You cannot be a part of what he's doing if you still have a fractured mindset. Now, the Holman Bible Dictionary says Gentiles 
are people who are not a part of God's chosen family at birth. Therefore, they're considered pagans. Uh, Gentiles refers to a nation. Uh, pagans or heathens refers to a belief. Nonetheless, the cross bridged the gap and the blood blurred, blurred the line. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, we are all, all one in Messiah Yeshua. Does that mean that there are no genders or there are no stats, statuses in life or, or places of origin? No, what that means is none of those things matter anymore. They're not meant to be a focus the schisms that we see in the world and in the church is from the influence of the fallen. It began in the Council of Nicaea. It spewed out various churches that thought that they were the universal religion and that they were the only ones and everybody should listen to them. Eh, wrong answer. Thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gift on the way out. No, no, no. Those of us who will serve him in these final days will not adhere to that kind of religious thinking. I know I'm challenging some of you and I'm, I'm stepping on some of your toes. You really need to understand, and we've talked about it here on the porch, why we worship the way we do. Why do we look at the back of somebody's head? Why is it always one person up on a raised platform? Why do we sit in pews? Where did this all come from? Uh, the music, this, the homily. I mean, where, where, this is not what they did. The church that shook the world. That turned it upside down. They didn't do that. Why are we doing it? Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Messiah, the good news, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. It's for everyone who believes. What, what word jumps out? It's the power, the dunamis of God, to what? To salvation. Folks, you didn't get saved to go to church. You got saved to be the church. Romans 15, starting with verse 9, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse. And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall have hope. The plan was always to the Jew first, to the Gentiles second, but that all would be one. And all of his children, intended from Adam and Eve on, would be one family. Even Solomon, in his prayer of dedication, made clear that the door would never be closed to the foreigner who wished to serve the Lord. First Kings chapter 8, starting with verse 41. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this temple, here in heaven your dwelling place, 
and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. Now, it makes sense if if you're getting this, and I hope you do. It makes sense why the enemy has fought, first of all, Israel, has fought the church, and has fought the two working together. Even the prophetic words in the Psalms depicts nations gathering to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Psalm 102, verse 15 through 17. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayers. Zephaniah 3, 9 and 10. For then I will restore to the people a pure language that they all may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. I believe that pure language is tongue, but we won't go there right now. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. And many believe, as I do, that offering is the Ark of the Covenant, which I believe is hidden in Ethiopia. But that's, again, for another day. Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold. My elect one in whom my soul delights. He's talking about the Messiah, Yeshua. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. We keep hearing this word justice and injustice, and we're looking for man to do it. We're looking for governments to do it. We're looking for legal systems to do it. Folks, there's only one person who brings justice. And that's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he'll bring it with him when he comes back. But right now, we live in a fallen world. And what we're seeing right now is a result of that. Isaiah 49, verse 6. Indeed, he says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And the Lord, Yeshua himself, confirms everything I just read in Matthew 4, verses 16 and 17. To the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sit in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time Yeshua began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right there. He ties the remnant to the kingdom of God. Salvation and the kingdom of God are tied together. The remnant and the kingdom of God are tied together. One is a result of the other. don't know why we've not been told this. I don't know why we've not been taught this. Maybe the Lord allowed it to be withheld until this time. I, you know, I don't know. But for me, this is exciting stuff. It may not be for you. I don't know. But for me, this is exciting. I began to see the kingdom in an entirely different way. I began to see having the mind of Messiah, the mind of the Lord, a different way. And if you notice, I don't use the term Christ. I just don't think it says enough. I think Messiah says more, and that's why I use it. If that's what you say, no condemnation, you say what you're comfortable with. Luke chapter 2, starting verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Yeshua, to do for him according to the custom of the law, which is circumcision, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which we know is what Yeshua means, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people in Israel. Can it be any clearer than that? But even having said all that, When the Lord began his ministry, it was to the Jew first. The Gentiles would come later. Why? To fulfill prophecy. Matthew 15, verse 21, And Yeshua went out from there and departed the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Yeshua answered and said to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And in Matthew 10.5, he sent the twelve out and said, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. That did not happen to the book of Acts, and really didn't happen until Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. The Lord is about decency and order. If he has established an order in the Bible, he's going to fulfill it to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But the Lord was pretty clear that the kingdom would be taken from the Jews and given to a nation, bringing its fruits, Matthew twenty-one forty-three. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And what's interesting, he was though he was crucified by the Gentiles, he was offered up to the Gentiles by the Jew. Matthew twenty. Starting verse 17. Now Yeshua, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the high priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. Right there he placed equal blame on both Jew and Gentile, which we see when the Peter and John get back to the 
Book of Acts church after being arrested and told not to preach in the name of Jesus again, what do they say in their prayer? For truly against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose before to be done, determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. He's talking about all of them. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Why? Because they were talking about the kingdom. They were acting like the remnant. They understood he was there for Jew and Gentile. He was crucified and murdered by Jew and Gentile. But the purpose was to bring the whole world to salvation. And he confirms it. See, the word confirms itself in Matthew 28 that the commission was to all nations. Verse 16, the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountain, which Yeshua had appointed to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And he came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples, make believers of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, tying into what we talked about last week about quantum entanglement. He's always connected to you. He was always connected to them, even to the end of the age. It was always about this and this alone. What a schemer Satan is. What a liar he is. What what con men the kingdom of darkness creates to teach anything but that. And even in judgment, all the nations will be brought before him, Matthew 25, 31 and 32. And the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep and the goats. All the nations, all the people. It won't matter where you're from, won't matter what you believe, won't matter how you were born. If your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, if you are not one of his sheep, you will be judged by the law. The promises are to everyone. Peter said that in what I read to you from the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, for this promise is to you and to your children to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. How does he do that? How does he call them? First through the Holy Spirit, but then through people. If the remnant doesn't do its job, if we don't act like the remnant, if we don't act like disciples and believers in the Lord, if we don't come together to get the job done, it doesn't happen. Remember what I said, the kingdom under the old covenant, the angels did the job. Under the new covenant, the church does the job. The Lord confirms the word 
the angels are there to help, yes, but they are not the instigators. They are not the activators. They are not the workers. We are. Look what happens when Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. The Spirit's poured out on Gentiles. That's Acts 10, verse 45. He gets convinced he has to go. The Holy Spirit really has to force him to go. And so he tells about Yeshua, and he tells everything he's seen. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. That's of the Jews. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, without anybody praying for them, without anybody laying hands on them, they began to spontaneously speak in tongues in a heavenly language. And when word got back to the church in Jerusalem in Acts 11, verse 1, Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had all also received the word of God. Jump down to verse 18 because it only recaps what happened in Acts 10. In between, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. I want to. I want to ask those guys. Maybe. Maybe we'll we'll sit down on a grassy hill somewhere in paradise and say, "It was in the prophecies. All the prophets said it. Why? Why didn't you expect it?" And then religion comes in, rules come in, doctrine comes in, and they try to force these new Gentile believers to follow the laws of Moses, including circumcision, which for an adult male is pretty barbaric. So in Acts 15, and the Jerusalem council, they began to argue amongst one, among one another. The apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter. And after much dispute, Peter rose up and said to the men and brethren, You know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But believe that through the grace of Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitudes kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them amongst the Gentiles. And after that, they became silent. And then James, who was actually the leader of the Jerusalem church, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agreed, just as it was written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of the mankind, the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. That's the kingdom mind. James is pretty cool. I wish we knew more about him. Peter was not the leader of the Jerusalem church. James James was. James was the the brother of Yeshua, the half-brother. But if you're going to have a kingdom mind, 
If you're really going to be useful at this time, doctrine is not the answer. While it's good to study the Word, it's good to study history and read all the commentaries, that's not the answer. The answer is being about the Lord's business, salvation and preparation for His return through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples of all people. Go. Go make believers who will follow the Lord. The problem I've seen, and I believe, is that man and the church has been building their own kingdom. Denominations, doctrines, rules, do's and don'ts. And the garment became more wrinkled. Having the mind of the Lord is so much more than we understand. It's a remnant mindset. Born of trials and afflictions which propel us to intimacy. See, trials and afflictions are going to do one thing. They're going to either drive you away or they're going to drive you towards him. Where you're going to wrap yourself around his feet like Mary did. Or you're going to want to just be in close to him to worship him. It doesn't. Having the mind of the Lord, having the mind of Messiah doesn't come from complacent, comfortable, quote, Christianity. It comes from being a disciple, which is what a believer is. It's a walk and a lifestyle as much as it is a mindset. See, we we are building his kingdom with no distinctions. There's no categories there's no separate places, separate lines. There's no name tags with where you're from. Or... That so offends me. I never understood why today. I mean, I've kind of understood it, but I get it more today. I believe that I've always been groomed to have a kingdom mindset. I've always been different, peculiar, set apart. He chose me because of that personality. Let's look at Colossians 3, verse 10 through 11. And having clothed yourself with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the cross, the process of being renewed and remodeled into a fuller, more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image and likeness of him who created it. In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There's no room for, and there can neither be Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarian, Scythians, who are the most savage of all, nor slave or free man, but Messiah is all, and in all, everything and everywhere, to all men without distinction of person, whether they're barbarians, and the Scythians were a savage people, didn't matter. Once they became born again, they were one people in him. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, for this good and acceptable. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our, God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Messiah Yeshua, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Why? Why has it not happened yet? Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord does not delay. And is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's 
conception of slowness, but he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. To repentance. That is the kingdom mind. That is the remnant. That is the job of the remnant. More than ever, right now, we need to be telling people the good news. We need to be interceding. We need to be praying for all of these schisms, all of these separations, all of the the racial issues are based upon this, based upon the enemy trying to divide and con- conquer, trying to keep the church so wrinkled and broken and fractured that it cannot function. But the remnant has to say no more. The remnant has to say no more. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon me now and any wrinkles or any schisms or anything I've believed, any false teachings, any traditions of men that I have brought with me right now in the name of Yeshua, burn it out of me. If I have a mind for doctrine, if I have a mind for rules and regulations, which the law, even in the council of of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem council that day, was set aside. No matter what they tell you. Oh, well, that was just Paul saying that. No, that was all of them in Jerusalem that day. A law that they couldn't adhere to, their, their fathers couldn't adhere to it. They weren't going to put it upon these people that the Lord had invited in. If you're going to be useful in this time, and if you're not here for that, I don't know why you're here. I've watched the numbers start out really, really big and then dwindle down, and I probably expect they'll dwindle more. But he shook the world with with a handful of people. And I believe he's getting ready to do it again. So, Father, right now, search us. Search our mind. Search our hearts. Search search our beliefs. Search any false doctrines or false teachings or anything that keeps us from having your mind, Lord, from having your heart, from walking in the kingdom, from living in two worlds, being in this world but not of this world, so that we can Do what you need us to do. Search us. Test us. Sift us. Refine us. No more. The days of foolishness are over, Lord, and we thank you for that. We ask you right now, Holy Spirit, have your way with those that are willing. Let your fire so burn within them. It consumes everything and anything that is not of you, that is not of the kingdom of God. And so we thank you. We thank you that you would even consider us and use us. We thank you that we live in a time that as it gets darker, we can shine brighter. We thank you that you have written your word on our hearts and you've given us your Holy Spirit to help us fulfill this calling. Because we are so anxious to see you again face to face. But until that time, we need you. We need your help. We need your protection. We need your provision. And more than anything, we need your mind. We need a kingdom mind. And if you, if you want that, if you believe that, if you receive that, say amen. I, I'm... Folks, I am serious 
more serious than I think I've ever been about this and about the purpose of the porch and what we're doing here. And I sincerely pray that you are too. I really, really do. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Amazon is hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage with benefits starting day one. No resume or experience required. Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites. Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to Amazon.com slash Stockton Jobs. That's Amazon.com slash Stockton Jobs. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.